Hey. 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 I'm Hi. Jason. I'm John. Nice to meet you. Good to see you. Welcome back. Thanks. You're one comics. Yay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna double it. Fantastic Four number six. We're gonna have an entire minute and a half of you going. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Hi. <laughs> We're back. That's going to be my ringtone. Mm, hey. Yes, it's issue number six from September of 1962. Have the Fantastic Four at last met their match when Mighty Submariner and Evil Doctor Doom team up? Don't miss the diabolical duo join forces. I have to admit, this is kind of cool. The idea that you're going to take the two best villains that you've done so far and team them up in one issue to fight the Fantastic Four. I like that, even though the thing looks like a Muppet. He looks teeny tiny. And Reed says, no matter what powers you both have, because we don't know what they are. Even though we fought you both. <laughs> they really don't know what their powers are. You can swim really well, and you got a metal mask on. He's so green. Like, even yeah, his force bolts again. are green. His rocket boots are green. Why are they doing that? He's so green. Hey. It's not easy being green. So, let's see. What happens to this issue? Nothing. The Fantastic Four in Captives of the Deadly Duo. Wait a minute. Go back. Oh, no. You're not. They told us that this one was... Don't miss the Diabolical Duo Joined Forces. Anyone who listened to The Avenging Hour knows Jason gets very upset when the title on the cover doesn't match the title of the issue. It's in quotes. It's obviously the title. Why would they do that? Stanley. He can't be bothered to open up the comic and... Look, up in the sky, it's the Human Torch. Wait a minute, that might not be the Human Torch. That could be a, quote, natural phenomenon. Yes, yes, that flaming human in the sky <laughs> may just be a natural phenomenon, you stupid bystanders. Yes, the Torch is flying through the city, apparently going to their secret headquarters, even though everyone is now saying the Fantastic Four's skyscraper headquarters. Yeah. So apparently the secret is out. There's not a secret anymore. And there's the first official naming of the Baxter building down in the corner. Yes, finally. So the bystanders are standing around saying, uh, who knows what's going on. Maybe that's the Human Torch. I don't know. When Sue, Maybe the Fantastic Four doesn't really exist. Sue, who insists on running around invisibly, no matter how inefficient it is for her, starts pushing her way through crowds because they can't get out of her way because they can't see her. Her life is just one giant mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, get out of my way! I just don't understand. Once she's knocked everyone to the ground, she finally turns visible again and goes running off. Into the Baxter building. Into the Baxter building. Where she gets in the elevator. The secret elevator. Well, it's not a secret, but only the Fantastic Four members can use it because this is the first time that we see this that they have showing you. They have belt... <laughs> what are you doing? Put your pants back on. <laughs> They have belt buckles, and in the belt buckle is an invisible beam that shoots out and activates the elevator. And we get a new diagram of the headquarters. We haven't won't, had one for three issues. We can see much more of it now. Yeah, now we know that they have an ammo room. What is in the ammo room? Do they have weapons that we're not aware no, of? No, they don't have weapons. They just have ammo. Just ammo. What would the ammo be at this point? That's what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. That goes in the quote-unquote passenger rocket or passenger missile. The passenger missile, now they've explained that they still have the anti-vibration wall, though still only on one side, not the other two, or the other three, because there's four walls to a room. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but they have now realized, oh, wait a minute, if you blast a, a missile out from inside of a building, where does the flame go? And they've now shown that there are tubes that expend the fire in fire pits beneath yeah. the city surface. Down into the subway. <laughs> <laughs> they kill a lot of Morlocks with this thing. 
You know what's funny is that by the time the Avengers Mansion rolls around and they do a diagram of that, and the Quinjets are launching out of the top floor of them, and they don't care about any of this stuff. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Burn the whole city down. So Sue and Johnny end up in in the Fantastic Four headquarters where Reed is... Doing their bills. Reading viewer mail. (laughs) Because apparently Johnny was out trying to find Doctor Doom. He can't find him. So if you can't find the most wanted bad guy on Earth, what else are you going to do but read the mail? I mean, it's true. What else are you going to do? So Reed finds a letter from a boy who's hospitalized and would like to meet him and stretches from the Baxter building over to the hospital and hangs out at his window. And gives the kid a heart attack and he dies. (laughs) (laughs) It does give Reed a chance to explain to the kid and all the rest of us about unstable molecules. The first time we've heard about those as well. Mm -hmm. Where he explains that the costumes that the FF wear are made of unstable molecules and that's why his costume stretches with him and Sue's turns invisible with hers and Johnny's doesn't burn off and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And the things holds in his rock balls. (laughs) But this is an issue for firsts. Firsts. Because we also, first, the thing gets something in the mail. He gets an angry letter from the Yancey Street gang. They're calling him out for a fight. Yeah, the Yancey Street gang are going to be a continual thorn in his side. Luckily, the thing has a... A block of titanium steel just laying around. As you do. Probably piles of them just in case. Just in case. He he manages to curl it up into a little ball and says when they can do that. When they can undo that. When they can undo that, he'll fight them. Mm-hmm. Or I, he'll I, personally congratulate them or something or other. I wonder if he keeps that in his titanium steel block room. Right. Was that on the map? <laughs> I don't believe it was. And this gives them a chance to say, oh, if only we could beat up slash kill our villains, Dr. Doom and Submariner. And Sue gets all, oh, Submariner. (laughs) If only we didn't suck as a superhero team. (laughs) Meanwhile, Submariner apparently no longer cares about conquering the the surface world as he's out playing with porpoises. And talking to them and apparently training them. Training a dolphin. To murder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tape this gun to your fin. (laughs) That would be amazing. No, he seems like he's just having fun. But his fun is soon to be interrupted by Dr. Doom, who does not know what fun is. Mm -mm. He's not a cheerful guy. He wants to find Submariner, and he finally finds him in a plane of some sort. Uh, Some kind of sub, he calls it. The Aero Sub. There it is. And Doom and Namor finally meet. It's some historic meeting. Take a breath. It's it's a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. It's like Trump and Putin. If I were Namor, I'd be a little bit offended because Dr. Doom wants to join the powers of science, that's him, to those of darkness. That's apparently Namor. If I were Namor, I'd be like, wait a minute. Wait, darkness? I, I didn't read that as like one representing one and the other. I just thought Doom was oh, bragging about joining oh, science Doom and himself? darkness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. No, you're right. Doom is saying he joins powers of science and darkness. And Namor's like, I can talk to fish. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, I mean, he does. We see him talk to fish. They don't but talk back. No, not at all. So Namor takes Doom to his home. Doom follows him in the aerosub. It's a beautiful home. Yeah, who built that? That's what I'd like to know. And out of what? Also, Doom has a photo of Sue. Where did he get that picture? Yep, a framed photo. Did he call her agent? Is that a headshot? Well, we'll find out. It's interesting. He also has a jellyfish in a snow globe. That's his pet. Is it alive? I don't know. I can't tell. Do you think Dr. Doom stuffed it and sent it off to him? So he took it out of the water and brought it inside and then put it in a snow globe. So couldn't he have just left it out in the water? It's a stuffed jellyfish. Doom, it's (laughs) Doom's present. It's Doom's present so that he can... Here, I did this in my spare time. (laughs) I also made a doll of you. It's on my chessboard. (laughs) 
You know he probably did. Yep. I just noticed that Namor's end table is this weird seashell. He's got two of them. Or are they part of the chair? No, that's part of the chair. That's the arm of the chair. Oh, wow. Although his table next to it looks like it's made out of a dried starfish. Are these pictures of, like, starfish and fish on the wall? Uh, or do you think they're, like, dried fish that he slapped up there? That's his taxidermy, yep. Yeah. It's like beef jerky. In any case, Namor's not that interested in teaming up with Doom to conquer the surface world. So Doom has to remind him how much humans suck and how they destroyed his city with with uh, nuclear weapons. Yep, yep. And finally, he gets Namor worked up enough that he agrees... That he grows a beard back. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> he agrees that he will help Doom against the Fantastic Four as long as they don't hurt Sue. Okay. And Doom's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I, she's okay. No problem there. Yeah, I don't care about her. Nobody cares about her. She's a girl. What? what whatever. Wait, there's a woman on the team? Doom outlines his plan, and it has to do with a magnetic grappler. It's magnets. Oh. How the heck do they work? A magnetic grabber. Sorry. A grabber, yeah. And a transmitter. So it's this little tiny magnet, yeah, I guess <laughs> that he he can remotely control, and it'll attach itself to something. And once it's attached, Doom can then lift that something very easily. He can pull it, or yeah, which he does with some giant like Easter Island head thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And apparently, what he wants Namor to do is go to the FF's headquarters with this device and plant it in the building. But first, Doom takes the device apart and tells Namor to shove it in his belt buckle. <laughs> yes, and then reassemble it when you get there, because if there's one thing we know about Namor, it's that he's really good with science. And that thing is broken down into the tiniest little pieces. <laughs> yeah. And how did Doom know that he had a secret belt buckle? And what is that? What is that creature? <laughs> there's this creature in... It's a Nautilus. Uh, stuck on a pike? It's taxidermy. I think they're all gifts from Doom. That's Namor's uncle. So... <laughs> <laughs> and it's case, actually a graveyard. Namor's like, okay, I'm gonna go. He goes to play. He plays chicken with a plane, and then he flies off to New York. Yeah, that was three wasted panels. I know. There's no point to it. He flies out of the ocean, almost flies into a plane, and then flies off. And he flies across New York Harbor. Is that woman? Is that Sue? No, I don't think so. She's like, oh my. <laughs> Oh, my. She's George Takai. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, Namor flies into town and walks through town very regally, giving everyone a chance to... Very regally in his underwear. <laughs> giving everyone a chance to throw their two cents in on him as to how they feel about it. The police are like, we should take him in. For and walking down the street in his underwear? Well, he did attack the entire city with a giant mammal just weeks, months ago. The police don't know that. That was the military. <laughs> the police were like, why are the streets so empty? <laughs> Where'd everybody go? Meanwhile, back in the Baxter building, Johnny, in the most unbelievable thing in this entire issue, Johnny's looking at a bookshelf. (laughs) That last panel really threw me off. I did not know. I thought that was Namor doing something. I had to read that three times. Because, of course, Johnny sees something shiny. Johnny is now a crow. He sees something shiny behind books (laughs) and pulls out a photo of Submariner? So, again, did Sue contact his agent? Because it looks like a headshot. Did he go to Glamour Shots to get those done? <laughs> did, did he pay in seashells? Where, did he and Sue meet at a photo booth? I don't know. Are they pen pals now? Well, Johnny's having none of it, so he burns the photo to ashes. That's like his thing, isn't it? Yeah. He's going to burn it. You can't. Uh, I can't have it. You can't have it either. And, and, this... then, and then Reed's like, hey. Wait a minute. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> right. Why are you hiding pictures of other men around the house? And the whole Sue Namor thing is kind of uncomfortable anyway. This doesn't make it any better. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Submariner just walks in. Yeah, he's like, hey, howdy, howdy. And then, <laughs> how'd you get in here? I flew through the window. As you do. 
And Sue runs over to him and puts her hands on his bare chest. Yeah, this whole this whole Sue Namor thing is a little uncomfortable for me. And then uh, Human Torch flies around him in a circle, because that's what he does to scare people. And Sue puts her back against him, butt to groin. <laughs> and she's like, you won't hurt him. Namor practically pushes her across the room. <laughs> He's like, I can take it in. Johnny, continuing to be an idiot, burns a hole in the floor underneath Namor so he'll fall through, forgetting that Namor can fly. And Namor just kind of stands there and waits for Johnny to burn out. Yeah. Which miraculously happens in the very next panel. And Reed wants to know why Namor is here. Namor says, I just came to see Sue. I'm just going to sign that photo I sent. Oh, it's burned up. Never mind. (laughs) No one believes him. I've got another one in my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Sue, would you like to retrieve it? (laughs) The men go running off to use their scanners to find out if Namor's been up to no good. It's so weird. We're going to leave the guy here alone in the room with our girl and go run and look at monitors? No, nope, but that room's clean. Nope, and Namor, going in there. <laughs> Namor's finally like, look, I'm done with you people. Sue and I are going to go on holiday. You have fun. But before they can go anywhere, there's a crack and the building is lifted out of its foundation and off the earth. Hurdles off into the sky. Up into the sky. Above a giant squadron of airplanes. Wow, LaGuardia is really crowded. Now, <laughs> right? Generally, I would say that I don't think it's possible to pick up an entire building like that without the structural integrity of the building collapsing. Yes. But maybe the magnetic grabber creates some sort of magnetic field to keep the building intact? Nope. Okay, I'm fine with that being a nope because it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, especially when you find out where the grabber was located at the end of the issue here. It really irritated me. I wasn't very good at physics in high school, but I understand structural integrity. (laughs) Yeah, that just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So Namor explains to them that Doom has double-crossed him, because obviously the plan was for Namor to take Sue and get out of the building Mm -hmm. before Doom lifted it into the sky. And I'm not sure why Namor couldn't just get Sue and fly out the The window window anyway. Because he can fly. That's how he got in there. And they're all looking out the windows. So obviously they could, and the torch could fly away as well. And take the others with him, maybe. Yeah, but instead, they all stand there and stare at this plane of dooms that's dragging the building up into the stratosphere. And so the FF are left wondering what to do. And Doom is gloating in his plane that he has snared the only beings capable of blocking his ambition to rule the world. Some mariner never guessed he was included in that group. That's a very long soliloquy. Yes, it is. So what do the FF do? They can't get up to him on the on their orbit plane. Because it fell off its thing and smashed into the wall. Yeah, because the building's been... Ri- I mean, it, at this point in time, according to the art, the building is completely horizontal. Yeah. So I imagine there's a lot of damage. And now they're too high up and there's no oxygen and Sue just passed out. So they get out space helmets for everybody. And the torch says, hey, I can breathe now. I'll just fly up to his ship. Forgetting that they're in space, and so there's no oxygen, and he can't fly because he's an idiot, and Reed has to save him and drag him back in. Is that made to look like Johnny is falling through space? Because you wouldn't fall. It looks like he's falling towards Earth. Or is it just because their ship is moving so quickly away from the planet? I think that's what it probably is. Where is Doom taking them? To the sun. Oh, right. Doom is going to drop them You know what? He's pulled them out far enough he could just let go now. He doesn't need to go all the way to the sun. (laughs) They're not going to get down. I also want to know, is that space helmet made out of unstable molecules? How did it not burst into flame when Johnny... (laughs) Good question. Plus, how does he have any oxygen left in it? Because no doubt his head burst into flames. Yeah, and all the windows are open. Yeah, that too. (laughs) They're in space. (laughs) How do they all just get sucked out the windows? 
Though that's a really good point. The windows wouldn't be strong enough to resist the pressure when you're yeah, in space. Yeah, he Reed made a point when they were just like going up through the sky. He said something to one of them about, "Well, the windows are strong enough to hold this." I think he said it as they were all leaning out the windows, looking, or maybe no, it's in the next one. I think down is it down in the corner? He makes some comment about the windows. The windows in our portion of the building are strong enough to hold in the air remaining to us. Well, not if you keep opening them. Yeah, not if they were all open to begin with. Quick, everybody, run around and close the windows. (laughs) There's a storm (laughs) a-coming. Well, Reed thinks he can stop Doom. He gets the thing to brace him, and he stretches up towards his rocket ship. And Doom hits the thrusters. As just as Reed gets to the back of the plane, yeah, Doom hits the thrusters and burns Reed's hands horribly. Burns his hands with jet fuel and Thing, I think it's Thing, that says, oh, it's not that bad. They're not burned that bad. Yeah, he'll be fine. I mean, he still has the gloves on. They're just fused to his skin now. (laughs) (laughs) They've melted into him. So they set Reed aside and things like, look, I can't do a thing, but I'm at least going to punch the crap out of Namor (laughs) before we die. (laughs) Always wanted to do this. And Doom, of course, now uh, uses the intercom. Instead of gloating, he's tired of of monologuing in his cockpit. So he's now going to gloat to the rest of uh, the doomed heroes. Hello, everybody on board. I just wanted to let you know that we're... (laughs) We're now flying at three miles above the planet. (laughs) (laughs) So Namor says, look, I'll take care of Doom. But first... How is he radioing into the building? (laughs) It's not part of his plane. Maybe he just thinks he is. (laughs) He's just yelling into space. (laughs) So Namor thinks he can be Doom, but first he has to get wet. So he jumps into the water storage tank in the building. That that all buildings have. Right. I think that's called the uh, septic tank. (laughs) (laughs) and gets all wet, and then he jumps out of the building and leaps from meteor to meteor, which were not there before. Oh my god, I didn't even notice that. Apparently there are now meteors that he uses to get to Doom's rocket ship. When he gets there, Doom uses magnetism to to pin the Submariner to the hull of the ship. But Submariner's like, okay, I'll just go into the ship then. Yeah, he just punches through the ship, falls into the ship, tries to get to Doom, but Doom electrifies the hatch that stands between them. But get this. <laughs> Submariner's like an electric eel. He can store the energy and then redirect it. He's not. When did that ever happen? It'll happen kind of one more time in issue mm. nine, but but Namor does not have those powers. So he zaps Doom. And Doom, he's being zapped, so he jumps out of a spaceship. <laughs> I don't know. And catches an asteroid, a meteor, and is whisked away through space. Never, never to be seen again. <laughs> Until issue 10. <laughs> Until the, that doesn't make any sense. So then Namor takes control of the, the rocket ship, puts the Baxter building back where it belongs. Perfectly. The FF find the grabber that that Namor had planted and are trying to figure out what to do with it, but they can't get it out of the building when all of a sudden Namor remote controls it out of the building and buries it in the sea. The end. Yeah, that ending's weird. So that grabber thing is attached to an interior ceiling in the Baxter building. In the basement. Oh, it was in the basement. In the basement. That's even worse. Yeah, because if it's in the basement, I mean, this is not even in the middle of the building. It's it's in the bottom of the building. So as soon as it started to pull up... It would have just flipped it, it just, over. Yeah. Plus, I don't understand the tensile strength of the basement ceiling that it could lift the whole building up just on the strength of that ceiling. Oh, sure. It should have ripped right through the... Yeah, that grabber should have gone... Up through all the floors and shot out the roof of the building. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
Then Namor is flying in that ship over the water, and he calls the grabber back to him, and then crashes the ship into the water, and then lands in the water right next to the ship. And yes. is like, well, that took care of the grabber. No one's ever going to see that again, as it falls down through the water right next to him. Yeah, well, Namor will protect it. Namor he- has a collection of items now that are... <laughs> yes. It falls right next to the horn that he used to summon Giganto. And the Cosmic Cube. And I'm not <laughs> sure. Avengers. I'm not sure why that horn would even be important anymore because Giganto's dead. So who, what are you going to summon with it now if you could even find it? A ghost. The ghost of Giganto. This is actually should be an Avengers issue because it fits in so well with the Avengers in the Silver Age, where the Fantastic Four are functionally useless in this issue. Namor, <laughs> it's villains fight themselves. It's a Namor versus Doom issue. Yeah. Namor is the only only effectual person. Well, I mean, it makes sense if you look at the cover. I forgot to make note that, oh, cool, the two strong villains that the team couldn't defeat individually have now teamed up to fight them again. How did you think that was going to go? <laughs> yeah. We do have a letters page, the Fantastic Four fan page. Mm, that's a good one. They Sh- mentioned... Shouldn't it just be called the Fantastic Column? <laughs> nice. They do mention that the Human Torch is getting his own strip in Strange Tales. Here's where they mention it. The Human Torch strip in the Strange Tales, I just have to take a moment to say, is one of the weirdest comics ever. As we all know... The Fantastic Four live in New York City, and they have publicly known identities. In the Strange Tale strip, the Human Torch lives in Glendale, and has California, a se- and has a secret identity. Nobody knows who he is. I don't understand why they tried to change that. And he lives with Sue, but with nobody else. And the other Fantastic Four members aren't in it. And it's just it's like a like Joni and Chachi spinning off of Happy Days. <laughs> it's so it's so <laughs> odd. It, uh, he fights some cool villain. He fights Porcupine. He fights. Uh... I think it's Strange Tales number 123's first appearance of the Beatle. He fights the acrobat. Oh, yes. The world-famous acrobat. Eventually, the thing will start with him and as a way to keep the the strip running a little bit longer. But again, they both get kicked out and replaced by Nick Fury before too long. I think it lasts for like three years. And also, if you remember a few issues ago, someone wanted to know how the scroll stole the diamond. And they offered to pay whoever came up with the explanation $5. This issue, we find out who that was. And that $5 is just over $40 today. The explanation is so stupid. The explanation is that it was not Susan Storm who disappeared, but one of the scrolls impersonating her by shrinking in size. Okay, yeah, we know that. that We read the issue. The gem vanished by being carried away unseen by the minute-sized scroll. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. The gem would be... They would have crushed him. ...three times bigger than that scroll. This was our complaint during the issue. That's not an explanation. No. That's just a reiteration of what happened. Exactly. (laughs) But that's what they went with, and they gave that poor schmuck, well, five bucks. Was that Jonathan Latham that got that? Jonathan Latham. The novelist? No, that's not the same guy. It's not spelled the same. But that's it. Another interesting letters. And again, I'm not going to do a where do they go from here segment, because both Doom and Namor will pop up uh, one more time for each of them before this year is through. Where does the team go from here? Into issue seven. After being humiliated. Yeah, but nobody knows that except for Namor. Someone tried to steal their entire building while they were in it. What's interesting about this plot is that during John Byrne's run in the 1980s, Doom is considered dead. And Doom's contingency plan for if he's dead is to take an orphan that he had adopted named Kristoff and program him so that he thought he was Doctor Doom. So Kristoff becomes the new Doctor Doom and he's getting he's getting memories put into him. Basically, they, they do all of his memories to Fantastic Four number six. And he goes, wait a minute, that plan could work. No. If it wasn't for Namor. So he does an issue where he pulls the Baxter building into space and then explodes it, blows it up. Right. Uh, it doesn't work because he didn't get to like Fantastic Four 22 where Sue has force fields. And Sue saves them by putting them in a force field. 
But the Baxter building's gone. It's gone. Yeah. The Baxter building will be gone for, I don't know, like 20 years before they finally rebuild it. Didn't John Byrne do the thing where Namor lost his memory again, too? In the Namor series. And then he comes back as like a businessman. And... I don't... Was that John... Well, he did. He had his memory. I know Byrne did the covers, at least. Right? No, he did the Namor series. But when Namor was a businessman, he had his memory. But then later on in the run, like I think like issue 29, 30, somewhere around there, he lost his memory. I know Byrne was no longer drawing it. I'm not sure if he was writing it. Yeah. Jay Lee was drawing it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you have any closer So you're saying that Namor and Dr. Doom go on to bigger things. <laughs> well, they go on to things. The Namor-Doom team up here is starts a precedent because Namor and Doom have a on-again, off-again relationship. A love-hate, yeah. They, we see them again many times. They built that whole supervillain team-up around them. There is a book called Supervillain Team-Up in the 1970s where... And for some reason, Red Skull gets involved. Well, I think it's because they eventually got rid of Namor because by that point in time, he really wasn't a villain anymore. Yeah. I mean, he'd had, a, he'd had his own series for years. He really wasn't a villain. I'm not sure why they tried to make him one there. But even like... He was in The Defenders. <laughs> well, we read um, the Avengers graphic novel Emperor Doom. Yes. And in that one, he again teams with Namor and again betrays him. Namor learns slowly. Waterlogged. I do like the fact that they put these two together, and I like the fact that Namor is getting a personality. I feel like he's yeah. he's more he's certainly not a, a, a two dimensional villain. No, no, those two intrigue me. But and it's really a Namor issue. It is not an FF issue. Nope. So the question is, would you read the next issue? I would. I would too. I think this is the strongest issue yet. I think the issues have, except for number three, I think the issues have gradually gotten better. The plan is wonky again, but the characterization's good. The plan is good if you ignore the fact that it's scientifically impossible. <laughs> exactly. That was my point. It's better than Doom's plan from issue five, which makes I'm just gonna literally a, no a sense. net over the building? Yeah. And I want you to steal pirate treasure. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, right, here's what I got. A net and pirate treasure. Yeah, and a time machine. There's nothing about issue five that makes sense. This, is, this plan's not bad. You just couldn't actually lift the building like that. All righty. Okie dokie. Look at us. We're done. We did another issue. Halfway through. Halfway. we got to start thinking about what we're going to do for the next one. I mean, not issue seven, but what series we're going to do after this. Oh, you mean next year when we go to do our next podcast? Well, it will be next year because we're recording this in 2018. Oh. Issue tw- even, if, even if I started dropping these tomorrow, issue number 12 wouldn't come out until 2019. Stop it. You and your technicalities. Me and my ability to count. Your black magic and sorcery. <laughs> I am the powers of darkness. <laughs> uh, once again, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at yearonecomics at gmail.com. We have an Instagram account with pretty pictures on it. That is also at yearonecomics. And we're not going to tell you how else to get in touch with us because we like our privacy. <laughs> Jason's number is 555. You know, we've always talked about doing a YouTube channel, but I just don't want to. No, it seems like a lot of work. I mean, I mean, we could show the pictures better. We could just like turn the camera and be like, "Look at this panel." Yeah, the the benefit of the YouTube channel the, the, would definitely be being able to show the pictures, but the downfall is forty five minutes of us. And this is such a pain. <laughs> I mean, this is a pain to edit. I can't imagine how pain it would, oh. it would be to edit a video. Yeah, you can't really cut anything out. There'd be like skips and jumps, and that's true. It's much easier to. Hide We'd have to like, well, if we cut away to the actual panels, if you could like fit them in somehow, then you could cut it up. You can hide our mistakes much easier in audio. Yeah, plus you don't have to look at us. It's true. I'm hideous. I was scarred in an accident at college. <laughs> a forbidden experiment. From the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo. All right. Bye bye.